This is an Alliance podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, leaders and fighters for freedom and liberty and the American dream, the best is yet to come. Welcome, folks, back to uh, Build It, the podcast about non-league American soccer and non-league American soccer people. Joining us this week, I'll let the man introduce himself, is um, the, well, Brandon, introduce yourself, your name, your age, your address, your social security number, all the normal stuff. Who are you, my friend? Hey, how's it going? I appreciate you having me. Uh, Brandon Ponshak's my name. I was uh, a co-founder of the Ohio Valley Premier League, uh, which is uh, an adult amateur league. That's sanctioned right now in five states, uh, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, uh, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. Uh, we have, at the current time, we have about 22, 24 men's teams and 10 women's teams uh, that play league. And we uh, offer a couple different types of structures in the league, kind of the, uh, a traditional summer I guess what some would say for adult amateurs, but also we've, we've expanded it a bit and offer some fall and spring programming as well. Um, I've been working in adult soccer, I guess you can consider it since I was a, a college coach for eight years before I, I got into more amateur, I mean, other amateur avenues. So I was a, a college coach for eight years and then I uh, started to dip my toes into the, the USL2 or at the time it was a PDL. Uh, ranks and uh, I've been in it for five years now as well. Thank you for that. Um, John is here, of course. Hi, John. What's up, Nick? Hi, Brandon. Hello. That's, it's been yeah. hours since I spoke to you, John. Uh, it seems like it, yes. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I, th- I suspect that this episode will just be John and Brandon talk nerding out about league admin. So um, if you don't want to set up a league, now is probably the best time for you to go your merry way and go listen to my dad wrote a porno or whatever else it is that's on your podcast feed. Um, so I guess the question is open to either of you, but Brandon primarily, what on earth were you thinking starting up a soccer league? <laughs> you know, it was, it was a, something that was a concept that we, we talked about probably for a good 18 plus months before it was just decided, Hey, let's just jump in on it. Um, I'm, I'm based in the Cincinnati area. And one of the things that when I moved here in 2017, it just decided to say, you know, like just feeling the lay of the land and just getting used to it. Of course, I was in college coaching for eight years before then. And I, I kind of knew some different avenues that existed. Of course, there's USL2, PDL at the time. Then there was NPSL as well. Um, but there was just tons of players that just didn't have those opportunities. They needed something more locally um, beyond what college was and beyond what high school was. Uh, and, and even if they didn't even go on to play college. So that was something that here in Cincinnati was just a lot bigger area than what I had lived in previously. And, and a lot of the players, I mean, we'd get contacts. I mean, I think at, at any given time, we'd have a thousand players that wanted to play in our USL2 team, you know, and that just is like, well, there needs to be, there needs to be more opportunities for these guys. Um, so it was, it was me and Jason Brown who uh, runs the Indy Saints, uh, we we co-founded it together, the the OVPL, 
and really what it was was let's just get a couple more groups on board that that want to do the same that have clubs that have players uh, whatever it is wherever they're at and let's see what they can do and see if they if they're behind the same mentality um and and providing opportunities for their players their coaches their communities and uh you know for some of us you know, for me in particular and, and others, th there's a little aspect of let's let's try to get some communities in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, that's not a requirement by any means, but I know there's there, there's players that want to play in it. And if, if they don't have to leave home, why not? You know, why not give them an opportunity to, to play in their local community to do it? Um, they can continue to do whatever job that is or if they just want to go to school or, or whatever else. If they want to supplement high school or if they want to supplement club soccer, with something a little bit different or a little bit more, then this is an avenue that they can do it. Where would you nominally, nominally even um, pitch it in the pyramid level wise? Are you claiming level like it's a completely arbitrary figure, right? But are you claiming level four, level seventeen? What? Uh, you know, like I non-league is all I really say. You I know, know yeah. and 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 that's one of those things. It's a bit of a pet peeve of mine to have levels uh, that aren't defined. Um, I, I do believe that U.S. soccer should start defining more levels beyond three divisions. Uh, I would love to, to be a part of those discussions if that was something that we could do. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I think at, at some aspect, the, the first three, they're national divisions, right? Like in their pro divisions. I think anything below that probably needs to start being more regionalized divisions and how that might be structured. I, I don't really care. Um you know, I think it should be done, though. Um, yep. Maybe they start with some of the existing structures that are already there. You know, U.S. adult soccer has regions that are defined. And maybe Division Four is a regional division in Division One, Two, Three, and 4. I can, I can understand that. And then beyond that, uh, they, they split the regions even more. And, and that's where you get, you know, maybe us where we'd fall, you know, so you could say we're, we're division four, division five, if somebody wanted to, to term it. That yeah. way. But what's it matter? Truthfully, it's just, you're the next, you're the next stop from post-college and not rec. Right. That's yeah. Still, yeah. Yeah. And you said the same right, John about the Midwest. Yeah. Yep. He's there. I'm sure. Um, okay. Are you got any investment club wise? Um, are you, did, did you come to it from a club man or are you just purely a man who loves admin? Uh, a, a little bit of both. So when we started it, I was part of a USL2 team that's now defunct. Um, it, it went belly up during the pandemic. And we decided to do it because we wanted to expand our offerings. We wanted to get more of a Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky uh, player personnel in our group and wanted to provide more for these local players. So we, that's how we decided to say, hey, let's, let's expand our roster and have a second team. Um, since then, I'm, I'm kind of a little neutral, but I'm also tied to another USL2 team in Kings Hammer FC. And we, we do have an OVPL team as well on the men's and women's side. I know I don't want to put words in John's mouth, and I'm sure he'll pipe up soon enough, but I know John spends an awful lot of time on league stuff when he'd rather just be doing club stuff. Where do you find the time? Uh, I don't really have much of a life outside of soccer. <laughs> uh, and, and most people that know me, they know that's really true. I mean, I have three kids and a, and a great wife. And uh, th that's outside of soccer. They're my life. You know, like I don't have a hobby. Soccer is my hobby. Um, so it's just something I just enjoy. It's a passion of mine. 
I, there's nothing. I mean, that's at moments, there's been times that like, should I get out of soccer? Um, and I, I'd struggle with figuring out what that is, would be to do. Um, so it, it's really something I just, I just want to do it. Um, I'll make the time, whatever that is. Uh, sometimes it does sacrifice whatever it might be like going out on a date night or something like that. Um, you know, I, I don't, I can't count the many times that my wife went on a recruiting event with me uh, when I was coaching in college. So it's just those types of things. That's love, just, right? If that's what she signed up for, she wasn't. Yeah. Blind. Well, and, and <laughs> I lucked out a bit too, cause she's a coach as well. So right. um, we're kind of in it together. Mm-hmm. Hey John, well, you got anything at this point? There you go. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Nick, it's a, you know, that's why when Brandon and I first connected on the phone, geez, probably a year and a half ago, uh, there was a lot of similarities with just sort of like, boy, how do we find the time to do all this craziness and stuff? And uh, it, it's it's sort of it's a labor of love for sure. I know what you're I know what you're going through, Brandon. It's uh, it's tricky. I'm curious. Um, I, you and I have talked, and I think this is an interesting thing. And and we don't without saying pro rel because we don't want to talk about that. Um. Brandon and I and many other people around the country, of course, we all agree generally that there should be more structure. And I think the the interesting thing, Brandon, is that all of us probably, if we sat down on our spreadsheets that we've all, are, we know we all have those on our computers and we've already, you know, vision boarded what it would look like if we were in charge, right? Do, do, you, do you find it interesting how many, we all kind of want to get to the same place, but we all have different ideas on how to get there as far as aligning divisions and regions and this and that and all, all those kinds of things. No, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of the Kings of spreadsheets. That's one of the jokes around the offices for me is if, if anybody needs a spreadsheet, reach out to me. Um, and I do like, I, I mean, in the end, right. And I think we're, we're, you know, we we're very similar in it. Like we just want to make sure that people have places to play and communities have a team support. And hopefully one of these days, there is a, an established system that makes sense, whatever that is, um, uh, player pathway, uh, club trajectory, whatever that, you know, would be called um, an identifiable, uh, uh, identifiable system that just makes sense. And, you know, it, once the clubs are established, we then hopefully can point them in those directions. Yeah, I think that part of the reason we like doing this podcast is to talk to people in various you know levels of expertise in soccer sales marketing all these kinds of things because at the at the end of all of the gibberish that we spew at the league level if the clubs don't sustain year over year it's just a revolving door of chaos you never have the ability to be sort of cement yourself in your community or to if you can only take two steps you don't need a pathway we need people to be able to take steps after steps, after steps, after steps. And then, and then all of that sort of aligns. So it's interesting when you were building the league, um, we were building the Midwest Premier League basically at the same time and we're adjacent to each other. I would say we don't have hard borders, but we butt up against each other. What were some of the biggest challenges for you in putting together, you know, all of your, I know all the league documents that have to be put together, rule books, um, you know, in recruiting and marketing the league to clubs. Like, what were some of your biggest challenges in putting all that together? Uh, the biggest challenge really is how, I mean, some of them would be like, how competitive is it going to be? 
right? Like how can we ensure that if we're going to come into it, it's going to be competitive. And then with that kind of tag team and with that it was, well, we don't want to spend tons of time on the road and travel and all that. So that, and then we still encounter that one and we, that's where we're at as well. Um, but what a lot of these clubs don't understand. And we, we, when we first announced, I think we had about 80 clubs that had reached out and, and submitted information to us. And really some of it's just like, they don't want to be the one to, to be the next one for whatever reason. But when, what we've seen is when a, when a new club has been announced and they've fully committed, there, there's a, a, a ripple effect that more around them. And it just makes everybody's lives easier because now you have a lot less travel in, in place. And that just makes so much more sense um, to, instead of having to travel. I mean, in USL2, our nearest trip's an hour and 15 minutes. Outside of that, it's over three and a half hours. And in in OVPL, I mean, there's some trips that are 20 minutes, if that, and that's how it, I mean, that's how football should be uh, to just play your neighborhood, right. And play rival neighborhoods, essentially. Um, Really kind of what I like to say is it's, it's the high school, you know, American high school mentality just graduated that you're still supporting your community and and have the community pride. Uh, It's, it's just, you're not in high school anymore. I think that's the big thing for me as an outsider is like a lot of you guys are really focused on the player pathway which is fantastic right because we know that a college sport and then stop and it's, a, it's an issue um and it doesn't have to be soccer it can be anything but um as an outsider for me i think the issue is as much the the fandom um getting people to buy into that well you know it's not the bengals it's not the bears it's not whoever why should I care? Not because of it's uh, not because it's American football, but because like, well, because this club pays five minutes down the road as opposed to you get to watch it on TV every Sunday. It's I don't know what that mental shift is, and I think you know a lot. Some people get it, and they're the ones that have turned up week on week for the last two three years whilst we've been doing this nonsense. But um, we all know there's a huge market out there if we can just tap into it and get people to buy into that community thing, and I think that's. That's the next step for American soccer, isn't it? It's not not to worry about players, but it's to worry about fans. Yeah, that, and that's a tough one. Uh, I mean, being in even just USL2 for five years, um, you know, one of those years being a COVID year, obviously, mm-hmm. as well. It, it's tough. I mean, it, it's tough to, to get people to, to wrap their minds around supporting something that's not MLS. You know, you'd say that. Even in some aspects, it's USL, but... It, uh, either championship or USL one, but even then, I've been around USL pro divisions off and on since 2004. Essentially, I mean, I, I remember watching when I actually before that when I was in high school, watched championship games on Fox Soccer Channel. I mean, that was awesome. That was unbelievable. Um, and I've been to a lot of professional games around the U.S. and it. it we're not there yet. I mean, as a fandom, right. We're just not there yet as, as much as what, you know, some MLS venues or, or people want to say, we still struggle uh, with the fandom. Um, I mean, here in Cincinnati, even greater Cincinnati, uh, when U- university of Cincinnati had a soccer team um, and Xavier had a, has a men's team and, or women's team, either one Northern Kentucky university where I do some work now as well. There's, there's hardly anybody that comes to the games. And that, I mean, at one point, that was one of the highest levels in the area that you could go watch. If if I was growing up at this time and I was growing up in Cincinnati 
there's no doubt in my mind I would have been in every single one of their home games if I could have. It didn't matter because I want to go watch soccer. That's got to be the focus for, not for emerging clubs, they've got enough going on, but for the bigger thinkers, it's got to be how do we make this a community event rather than a soccer rent, I think. But um, who all's involved, it helps you out with the league stuff then? Who, what's, the, what's the pyramid look like or the structure? So Jason and I, uh, we're, I mean, we basically run the day-to-day operations. Um, and then alongside us uh, is Ed Bernstein. Ed Bernstein's kind of one of our go-tos because um, he he runs some youth leagues uh, in uh, northeastern Ohio region, uh, you know, northeastern Ohio, Pennsylvania, uh, New York area. Um, he was kind of our end. So we're sanctioned through U.S. club soccer. And that was kind of our in with U.S. club soccer through Ed. We've known Ed several years since we were in college coaching. Uh, that's how we, we come to know Ed. And we just kept that relationship going. We said, hey, Ed, we have this idea. Um, we got rejected essentially by states. And also at the same time, the states were extremely hard to communicate with and contact. And uh, we're, you know, I don't want to say we were forward thinking, but in our minds, we had something bigger than just a, a city league because I know what the city leagues have been or kind of were I mean really there's not even one in Cincinnati that's how crazy it is as big as what Cincinnati is there's not a true city league that has existing adult clubs in it um, there's a couple you know run around rec leagues Sunday beer leagues whatever you want to call it there is one Hispanic league that I tried to get in for two years and they never once uh, returned any contact so it was like hey Ed what can we do and it was a, a first kind of I think for U.S. club soccer to dive into this regional opportunity but i can say they they've been nothing but great for that because i know the, the midwest is essentially club run is that fair john we want a better terminology yeah yeah so i'm i'm just intrigued that you've got people that aren't really club aligned doing for one of a better phrase doing the admin right it's a thankless task like if you if you're involved in a club there's something in it for you but you you guys sound like you're just doing it for the love of the sport which is you know hurrah but what well i mean i I will say while we are the the co-founders we we have a lot of we we leave a lot of decisions up to the member clubs as well um so like in february i think is when it is beginning of february we will have our agm and through that we'll have some almost everything's up for debate and up for vote. Um, and every club has a say in whatever direction the league goes. And uh, it, I'll say, you know, so initially, and I know this has been a point of contention for, for some people on the old soccer Twitter, that uh, we, we are sanctioned as a U23 league. And through the pandemic, and we, it was a unanimous vote to lift that U23 restriction. Um, and I, I, you know, on the record, I'll say we, we got sanctioned as a U23 league just simply for some red tape stuff because we just had to get things done. And that was the easiest way to do it. Um, and as long as we had that, we, once we got the sanction, we were ready to go. However, we can do it. And however, whatever fits best for our member clubs, that's what we want. Um, now, what we know everybody is 100% on board with, we don't want to become an over 45 league. You know, so. Right now, we'll continue to be uh, kind of an open division. Um, 
league. And at, at some point, maybe if things get out of hand, which I don't think they will, because everybody's on the same page, it seems like, is, you know, at the very least, we might have an overage restriction. Um, you know, kind of like the Olympics, you'd say, you know, have a seven players or eight players or nine players over 23, whatever it may be. But at this point, it, it's good. You know, the, the, the clubs are all... I don't understand why there would be a pushback. Like, if people want to play, let them play. But that's just right. you're good I enough, mean, you're young enough, and yeah. let's go. Yeah, I mean, what what it doesn't want to be is people don't want to show up, and it become that Sunday rec league kick around, where you got a rainbow color of uniforms for one team, and the other team looks professional and they operate professionally. Um, and I understand that. So, so that, then that going to. Sorry, sorry, Nick. That that springs me to a question that I didn't even type out yet. I got distracted. But uh, minimum standards for the OVPL, um, I don't know what they are. I assume, again, you're trying to elevate above Sunday League, so there's probably some more stringent uh, standards, and it doesn't matter what they are. Um, how do you guys go about enforcing, monitoring, evaluating that your clubs are meeting those standards? And did you have any not to call anybody out, but were there any issues, you know, over these past season or two where you really had to, you know, had challenges with clubs not understanding that this is more than a rec league? Yeah. So, I mean, our minimum standards are actually pretty loose as well. Our minimum standards is basically the minimum standards for U.S. Open Cup. You know, you have to have a home field. Uh, the home field has to be X amount of size. Um it doesn't have to have lights, but if you play after a certain amount of time, I mean, a certain time kickoff time, let's say six o'clock, then you have to have lights, you know? So if you don't have lights, your kickoff has to be before six o'clock. You know, if there's any, any potential bad weather or whatever that, that allows for some, some flexibility in time and stuff like that. Um, you know, other than that, you know, uniforms, we've had no problems with uniforms. Uh, everybody has to have a uniform home and or away, but at least one, we prefer to, there's a couple others that we are a little lenient on. You know, we want people to have a healthcare professional there on site for any, any situations that might occur. It's best if it's an athletic trainer or certified athletic trainer, but we've also said, Hey, if, if you have a nurse, if you have a doctor that's capable to, to be that certified healthcare professional, then we're okay with that. Now, I know not everybody's going to have that in year one or year two of operation, but how can we help you get those partnerships to ensure that people's health and safety is going to be a, a priority for you as well? Um, other than that, I mean, the only other real thing that's been the biggest issue is a little bit of stack keeping. You know, we want to keep goals. We want to keep assists, saves, shots, whatever. And that's been one that we've had a little issues with because most of these times these clubs are going to be a coach, maybe, um, you know, maybe a, a husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend that might run the, run the show. And people just don't feel that that's a priority to them. Um, that's a little frustrating for me personally, because I'm a big numbers guy. I just like tracking data. Spreadsheets. Uh, you like spreadsheets. I like my spreadsheets. And I, I'd say I got a good spreadsheet for, for all our data for that. Um, yeah. But hopefully that's something that we can continue to grow on. And, and, and improve that aspect. Cause you guys know, like what player doesn't like to see their name up in lights? 
you know, every, every single one of them does. So we want to promote players. We want to promote clubs and coaches. And really the best way to do that is if we can have some data behind it or pictures, you know, like if we can get some pictures, it doesn't take much to get, you know, a, an iPhone or a, an Android or even somebody just come take photographs one day at a game. Sure. Do you, do you, um, you said 22 men's and 10 women, 10 women's teams. Um, you know, is the majority of these, as they're entering the OVPL, are these uh, brand new? Are they, you know, hey, we've been together for a year or two in the rec leagues and we're ready for something more? Are they youth clubs that are extending up into the adult age range? What's the sort of the makeup of these clubs? I would say, I mean, almost 95 plus percent are brand new um, in, in terms. I mean, I, we've had. I think truly one team that was a mint team that came in, that was about it. And, you know, outside of, you know, maybe some of that USL two second team or, you know, reserve team aspect to it. Um, we do probably have a 60 plus 70 plus percent our youth teams adding a senior team, uh, which youth clubs adding a senior club team, which I, I really, really like that aspect because now they're providing more for their players as they graduate. But also, this is what I tell them. I mean, you're providing an opportunity for young coaches to keep playing as well. I shouldn't even say young coaches. You're providing an opportunity for coaches to keep playing. And we all know that there's some coaches within all these clubs around the the U.S. that can still play. And, um, you know, one aspect, you know, we grew up growing up in the U.S. here. You're, you're beating the head about health and, and physical activity through PE classes, K through 12, even some universities require it. But yet, once you graduate high school, there's really very minimal opportunities for adults to stay active. And to me, that's another, another avenue that we approach it, saying, hey, this is one avenue that, you know, if you're a former high school player, or club player, or college player, you can still stay active and enjoy your, the game that you love or hope, hopefully you love it and uh, hopefully prolong your career. But most importantly, just, just keep fitness uh, and, and keep uh, your health and well-being as a, as a priority. And we all know being a part of a team is, is, is fun and uh, keeping that, that camaraderie and that community within just the team itself is important for people as well. I actually just this last uh, last fall, Brandon, I got uh, lured back into coaching myself after our um, our our club's you know league season was over and everything, um, and I ended up coaching at uh, DeKalb High School with um, the varsity team. And I haven't been around sort of a full group of you know players where you're like in the trenches with them training, training, match day, training, match day, training, match day for a week. Um, and it was, it was kind of, uh, I think, re-energizing a little bit just to get – I've been doing so much admin now for however long, forever it feels, but to be able to sort of be there and, and be with these young kids and uh, really feel like an old man and try to father like – put this father wisdom into them now that I have kids and, you know, life's different than when I played at that high school. Um, I, I know what you mean. That, that team camaraderie is something that you always miss when you stop being an athlete uh, and to be able to continue to do that as a coach or, you know, in any other role, I think is wonderful. Um, that was just a little side story. I just wanted to tell you. 
So go Barb's. Um, what um, all these? You got a lot of relatively new adult clubs or extensions of youth clubs or whatever. What are some of them doing that you see? sort of from the league office where you go, man, they're really doing things the right way. What are some of those cool things that you see out there that people listening to our little, little podcast might be able to, you know, glom onto and go, that's a good idea. My club should try something like that. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say, and, and we, we know it like, cause we, we are on that side with the leagues itself. Being active is, is so important. I mean, it, it, social media, uh, a website if you don't if you're not good in social media a website's good um, you know anything you can do in that to that sense to make yourself visible is important um, and, and that's one of those things that we semi struggled with a little bit with USL2 and some USL2 teams struggle with is you're only active for two and a half months so how can you expand what your your brand your your value and, and your presence um, beyond just two and a half months. And that's kind of one of those things that we, we're aiming to be as well. Um, we got some clubs that are really good with social media, um, Northern Kentucky Nitro, their, their graphics and, and some of the stuff they put out is really excellent. Um, the uh, Evansville Legends, who are, are really good, they were our champs uh, this summer in 2021. They, they're like, I mean, the, their community engagement's great. Uh, they, they reach out and touch base with a lot of people. They're, they're engaged with their local colleges and high schools and coaches and stuff like that. What they're doing there is really great. Steve McCullough is, is I mean, he's the man in, in, in terms of the startup with that. Like, it's great. Uh, one that was a, a really, I mean, I don't want to get into the story, but it was a crazy story and, and how it come about. But the West Virginia Highlanders, um, what they started up in, in Wheeling, West Virginia, has been really good and they're engaged in their community and their local schools as well. Um, thankfully too, with them, they're actually able to, they started with a senior team and now they're adding a, a youth team. They're adding a U18, U19 team. So because of their senior team, they saw a need and said, hey, let's, let's drop down and, and add some more offerings. Um, and those are discussions that we've had with other clubs as well. So hopefully that, that continues to, uh, to provide more opportunities for, for players. Um, so that's where we've really seen the most benefit from them is just being active, um, engaging in the community, I mean, having tryouts, open tryouts are so important because some of these, I mean, if you're just a, a, a random person that started a club, you may not have all the connections with, with high schools or clubs or whatever, but if you're active on social media and you do some good stuff there, and then you say, hey, now we're having open tryout, you have no idea who might see you. And you, you, you know, might funny. pick up the best player that you've seen. It, yeah, it's, it's, you, you're, you're right. I think providing those open opportunities are, are huge. And, and I mean, a lot of what you just said, the best things happening, you know, with some of your clubs that are more active, all centers around community and networking. And as we always say, Nick, boots on the ground, uh, you got to get out and talk to people and tell your story. And I think I mean, it's, it's cool to hear that there's clubs, you know, even new clubs that are, so, I, I don't want to say doing it the right way, but are trying to do it that way. Because I, my opinion that that's the most sustainable way long-term. Mm -hmm. It's not the, it's not the sexy way of uh, lifting a trophy in year one by, um, you know, bringing in a bunch of players that have no ties and 
And then, you know, what do you have left at the end of that? You have a trophy with nobody to drink with. So, um, but I think that's pretty cool that, that there's so many, you know, relatively new brands across the country that, I mean, we, we are seeing this, this national growth of community clubs and there's so much more room to dilute the areas, you know, Cincinnati could probably have 20, 30, 50, hundred, whatever. I mean, you know, 25 guys on a team, you could, you could make a lot of clubs. And, oh yeah. Uh, I mean, when, when I moved here, um, we had essentially one true men's team and that was the USL two team that I worked with the PDL team. And since then, uh, I mean, we have one, two, three, uh, four, five, six, seven, uh, eight. We have eight men's teams now and, and just Cincinnati alone um, that, that can say, hey, we're competing at a higher level than just Sunday kickabouts. Yeah, that's great. Is there a history of, um, I guess, well, for whatever, ethnic clubs in the, in the city? Like, the no. Midwest is... No, oh, it's yeah. crazy. So that's something. And, and that's another thing that I try to and I had a conversation after one of my little indoor public games last Tuesday. I had that conversation with some of my teammates and, I, and about the history of some of the local soccer, which I'm, I'm, you know, I'm new to it just from what I've researched. And there's a couple clubs that actually have been around for a long time here in Cincinnati. And they started as ethnic clubs. I mean, there's some some historic ones. I mean, really, the last from from 2016 when that was when a usl2 team made the us open cup but it was in the 19 early 1960s was the last time a cincinnati amateur team is represented in the us open cup and it was a uh, i don't remember who it is the size of the size of the town is yeah yeah it was a german club I, let's just call it don schwaben or or, or something <laughs> like coping something Bayern something cincinnati, along those yeah, yeah mm -hmm. german roots um, not in Cincinnati. There's no none that exists. I mean, we have a club that's been around uh, 2018, uh, that 2015. That's our longest serving, but it was a youth club. They've only yeah. been a men's team for one year. The longest serving men's team is 2018 that I know of in Cincinnati that you can call it a true like mm -hmm. affiliated club. Um, now in the league itself, uh, we were. I mean, it's been a great pickup with Croatia Juniors. Croatia Juniors out of Cleveland. Um, they've been around since 1957, and they've never had a representative in the U.S. Open Cup since 1957. They didn't know how. And that's that's on American soccer, isn't it? Yeah, again, that's exactly right. Um, mm -hmm. And they're great, great people. I mean, they're a, a, a riot to be around. Um, I would say just from bitter, bitter personal experience, try to avoid getting them involved in the league because they'll just win everything. And it's <laughs> And we have a couple more that's been around since the 1980s, um, but they, this is their first, maybe their first time dipping their toes into the adult realm. And, and hopefully it's all been positive for them and they're going to keep going with it. Crazy. Sorry, John, I spoke over you. Go. No, that's fine. I, um, and I'm just trying to make sure I get through my questions here just because it's a, you know, real formal podcast we run. Um, give me, give me the sales pitch on OBPL brand, a high level, uh, you know, what are the benefits? I don't need costs and all that stuff. It doesn't matter. What, yeah, you know, so, what is the, give me, give me the high level pitch. Yeah. So we, what we're, I mean, on our website, it, it's our top three things that we say, you know, it's, it's, we're just trying to grow the game of soccer in the region. 
affordable costs, limited travel, and keep players playing locally so there's community support. Um, that's our main ties, you know, you know, depending on who we're talking to, you know, so if it's a youth club, obviously to say, hey, we want to keep your players playing. You've got a good club. Um, give them an opportunity after they graduate from your club and it shouldn't stop. Or how about this? And this is where, you know, kind of where one of the reasons I wanted to do more with it is if they're a 16 year old and they're good, they need to play against 21 year olds because that's going to push them. And they're going to experience a lot that they would never experience just playing against other 16 year olds. And around the world, the age thing is, is pretty much null and void. If you can play, you can play. And we're the only league in the region, essentially, outside of you know, USL2 or NPSL, that provides 16-year-olds to play against. I mean, we had a 42-year-old in the league. They can't ever do that in their normal club careers. So come out here and you can play against players that can play. They're former pros. You might have an opportunity to sign a pro contract, whatever, you know, so there's those aspects. Um, those, those three main priorities, uh, just keep players playing. I mean, that's, that's, that's where we're at. Yeah, okay. I got one more that I didn't, I'll throw at you too. Um, I love the idea of the women's division. Um, Talk to me about that. Where's that growth coming? Are you seeing the same clubs with the both men's and women's? Or is it a lot of independent women's teams? What are you, what are you seeing in the OVPL? A little bit, a, a mix of both. Um, honestly, the women's side, it was a little bit more frustrating uh, to build. I'm not in the women's game as much as I am in the men's game. It's just, I mean, I have been in the past, but I don't necessarily know or am connected with as many women's coaches. Um, maybe that's a little bit of why it's only 10 teams as opposed to 20 some teams. I've, we've also encountered that, uh, you know, like for some odd reason, some of the, the women's administrators just weren't as on top of things as some of the men's administrators for whatever reason. Um, we're going to try to iron that out a little bit more in this off season. Um, what I do, what I do know is the summer's, for the women are more challenging than for the men. Um, they go back to college earlier than what men do. So their window of play is a little bit less. So you really have for us, we, we really have to find that window that, that says this is the right amount of games for these, these players to keep playing. Yeah, and we see the same thing. Um, with our DeKalb County United women's team that we finally got to play in 21, um, they play a summer season. It's essentially eight weeks because they all mm -hmm. get released back to school, you know, end of July or early August. And by the time they get to town, you know, we ran, I think we ran about nine weeks and they, they played seven league games and a state cup game and a regional game and, Mm -hmm. I think we might have done one other friendly. I mean, they get they get two trainings in a in a game for about nine weeks, and um, I, you know, I can't do anything about the calendar. But it's unfortunate that you don't have more opportunities to connect. You know, again with the community and with with people. I mean, it's just such a long off season. That's probably how you and I started talking to begin with. We were probably in the middle of our our uh, historic twenty month soccer off season last spring, and. Um, 
but it is, it does make it challenging by the time you get, you get all the momentum. And if you're community focused and Hey, 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 here we come, here we come, here we come. And then, Hey, we're playing and then we're done. And it's really hard to keep the, the public engaged and, and aware of what's going on and updated with schedules. And, um, and unfortunately in our experience, sometimes um, if you don't have the same level of professional or professional mirrored standards where when we schedule a game, it's done. We don't have the, we're, like, I don't want to reschedule games the night before. That's just not how we operate. Um, and so we've struggled in our area with, with other teams that run like teams that don't run like clubs and have that, like once we've marketed it, I don't want to, I don't want to have to buzz Nick and go, Hey, remember that women's game tomorrow night? It's uh, the time moved up an hour and a half. And now you, Nick, you need to drop what you're doing and you need to let everybody know that the kickoffs moved up 90 minutes. And I think those are the things that really struggle. It's, it's, it's terrible. I'm, I'm so, I get so frustrated by those kinds of challenges, Brandon, that I just honestly go like, well, then you guys can forfeit. We're not moving because, because we, we agreed on a time four months ago. We reserve the field. We've got an athletic trainer. We do that even for our, our men's and women's reserves or under 23s. We have a trainer at home matches because I feel that's important. I feel the players deserve it. The athletes deserve it. Uh, and there's a little bit of John can sleep at night. And I think just having teams operate with that same level of we might not be pro, but we can operate like we're pro a little bit. I think that would help all of us if we were all kind of elevated just a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree 100 percent. Sometimes on the podcast, Brandon, I just talk and I don't even ask yeah. questions. I just ramble. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm thinking of getting rid of guests and just saying, John, here's the microphone. I'll check. I'll, I'll take myself off mute in 40 minutes. Look, um, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad John. I'm glad John's doing it because I can talk all day long. Excellent, sweet. Well, you can't today, I'm afraid. We we do have a hard stop, so um, I want to tie this up as soon as possible. A um, little bit of fun stuff, Brandon. Who is your? If you're not administrating, who is your actual soccer club? Is it? MLS, is it Premier League? Is it Bundesliga? Where's your heart lie? Uh, so I, I still, you know, for some odd reason at times, I still support an MLS team. Um, it, I, I'm a Columbus Crew fan, been one since day Sorry, one. Um, it, it's tough to trade those colors in, you know, even though I have my own frustrations. Uh, I've been there since 96. Uh, like, I, I still appreciate what they've done and who they are and, you know, some of the dealings and opportunities I've had to just even go over there and watch some training or whatever it might be. Um, outside of that, you know, Manchester United. Okay. There you go, John. Glory, you're, you're glory. Building some bridges. Yeah. Well, Disappointing. Exactly uh, <laughs> even today. Even today. Go well, isn't it, lads? Go well. Um, do you have any um, questions for John before we tie this, tie up any loose ends? Or myself, but probably John on league admin or anything. Oh, putting me on the spot on that. Yeah, one, right? yeah. You, uh, how about uh, how about in 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 two years and five years, where where do you want to see the Midwest Premier League? Uh, my focus always goes back to um, sustainable clubs. I would like in five years to look back and say, "Wow, we have." 18 of our, we had 20 last year. I would like to see 18 or whatever, a high percentage of them still around. Um, that's first and foremost. Um, I, I think as a member run league, 
the challenge is not to get caught up in growth for numbers sake, because quite honestly, for the group of about six of us that are managing the league, if it had a hundred teams, it's more to manage. And I don't need more, uh, uh, again, as a volunteer, I don't need more to manage. Um, I want, I want to see clubs that can come in, operate with those sort of elevated operational standards um, and manage themselves that we don't have to babysit and we can hold each other accountable to those higher standards. Uh, and if the number of teams that qualify for, for that um, balloons geographically or hopefully not geographically, I don't really want to go farther north, south, east or west, but if we can go you know, um, sort of in the Chicago area, I think we could have 30 or 40 clubs playing within one system or one league or league or, or divisions of whatever. I don't know. But I think having everybody aligned would be great in a geographical area. I, I, I mean, really, we're the six of us on our board meetings, Brandon, we, uh, some of us want to play longer seasons. Some of us want more clubs. Some of us want uh, more a women's division. I mean, we could go a million different ways. I, yeah. I really don't know where it's going to go. We're going to, we're going to let the, the member clubs and the new interested members kind of guide us where we need to go. Yeah. I don't I, know if I answered your question. Yep. Absolutely. I, I'd say we're, I mean, that that's kind of very similar what we've yeah. seen. Just without doing the admin, you still want to, you want the league to be around in five, 10, 15 years, right? Just without with maybe the odd new recruits but essentially with the same faces that you see today or next month or next year all right cool um gentlemen thank you so much for this um i know it's been a ball ache probably on my doing people listening don't need to know that but it has been um thank you for so much for putting up with the technological issues hopefully this one's recorded if it hasn't we may never speak again um but yes uh where can people get hold of you brandon if they want to talk league admin if they want to get involved in the ovpl whatever how can they get yeah hold of you? Uh... OVPL, you can find us on social media uh, at OVPL Soccer. Uh, oh, the website's OVPLSoccer.com. And email is info at OVPLSoccer.com. Um, pretty, uh, pretty quick to reply or get back to anybody. Uh, again, it's because I don't have a light. So. <laughs> Thanks Very for having me, Brandon. Good catching up with everybody. Yeah. Guys, I appreciate Thank you, it. All the best. Catch you later. Now the time has come for leaving fear, now we shall return. We were so glad we could make it, but so sad we gotta run. Well, it might be a long time till we raise another glass. You can rest assured that next time we'll have ourselves a laugh.